Welcome to the Liberty Leadership and Lies with Larry Linton podcast, coming to you from the Goat Locker Studio in Sevierville, Tennessee. Be sure and check us out and like us on Facebook and Instagram, and follow us on Telegram as well as on the website of libertyleadershipandlies.com. You can subscribe to notifications on the website to follow the blog there. If you would like to contact the show, just send an email to Larry at libertyleadershipandlies.com. Again, that is Larry at LibertyLeadershipAndLies.com. Now, on to the episode. Welcome to the special year-end episode where we talk about leadership and the lessons learned that leadership needs to study. Before we get too deep into this week's episode, a brief programming note for this holiday season. First, this episode will not be a full 30 minutes so that the listeners can devote more time to family and friends and getting ready for Christmas and New Year's. Second, there will also not be any advertisements read in this episode. You can find the supporters information in the description of the episode on whatever platform you listen to this podcast on. Third, there will be no full-length regular episodes or weekend updates until after the Christmas and New Year break. When we come back from the break, that is when we will kick off Season 2 of the Liberty Leadership and Lies with Larry Linton podcast. Season 1 closes out with 42 full episodes and an equal number of weekend updates. So thank you to those listeners that have stuck with me since I started this journey in March of this year. I would like to ask a huge favor from those regular listeners, though especially those listeners here in Sevier County. Would you share this podcast with at least eight of your friends and family? Encourage them to listen to it. If they like the content, ask them to share it with at least eight of their friends and family too. It is by spreading the message and working together we can take a stand in the arena to save our republic. Anyway, continuing with the program note, fourth, Over the course of the next few days, I will be working on freshening up some aspects of the podcast, as well as the advertisements for the supporters of the podcast. Fifth, I will be exploring creating videos and uploading them to the website and the podcast's Facebook, Twitter, and Telegram pages, as well as the campaign's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. We will return with Season 2 with a new full episode on the 5th of January. January 5th is also a special day in my family because it is my younger brother Rob's birthday. On to this week's topic of leadership, though. It is serendipitous that we are discussing that topic this week while I am working the leadership coaching contract here in the Permian Basin. So we're closing out 2021 on a topic near and dear to me, both personally and professionally. As you listen to this week's episode, we are in the Satellite Go Locker studio today somewhere in an undisclosed location outside of the Midland, Odessa, Texas area. Anyway, I was in a couple of interesting discussions this past week about the podcast and my campaign. I'm getting advice from multiple people that I should make the topics of liberty, leadership, and lies more personal. And more importantly, how they tie into my campaign to represent Tennessee's House of Representatives District 12 in the 2022 election. Of course, I'm taking their advice on board. And I was actually planning to do that in the early summer of 2022. That's when the campaign should be kicking into high gear. So, based upon the advice I have received, between the 5th of January and the early summer, I will be slowly adding in items that I would consider to be my campaign platform. 
Then, after we close out the summer break, we'll dig heavily into what areas I will focus on in my campaign and, once elected, bring to Tennessee's General Assembly. These will be areas in our political lives that have lacked servant leadership for generations now. Now, there will be some people that claim that they do not have a political life, that they just want to be left alone and live their lives without interference from government. But that means they are lying to themselves. Everybody has a political life in our republic. Every citizen should be applying leadership to the people they decide to send as their representatives to all levels of government. And every representative elected to serve in government should be a servant leader for their constituents. Our nation and state was founded upon the principle of self-governance, that all power is inherent in the people. For that to be completely successful, servant leadership is needed. So just looking to the state of our politics now, people can, and for the most part have for generations, ignored their responsibility to and duty of participation in the political life of our nation. But that does not mean they do not have a political life. You know, in some of my leadership seminars that I've provided over the course of many years now, as well as the team building talks and workshops I have hosted, we talk about that concept a lot. The concept of, if you provide no input, that is an input. No input is apathy, no matter the situation, in your home, family, faith, business, and government lives. So, every American has a political life. That political life is a duty and responsibility that comes with citizenship in our republic, to participate in our own self-governance. The apathy that is, no input is an input, has allowed our government to become the corrupt entity that it is today. It has allowed them to consider our apathy as our consent. As I have discussed in previous episodes, voter participation rates in our republic hover around 50%. But that 50% voter participation rate means that half of the voting age population is actively participating and providing inputs to our self-governance. It also means the other half of the voting age population is passively participating by providing no input is an input. For me, that is one area I will focus on during my campaign, and again, once I'm elected, to get as many people as possible to participate, meaning to register to vote and to vote in every election. Our citizens need to reassert their role of the consent of the governed in our constitutional republic. The electorate needs to be trained in the best weapon system available in our fight against an overreaching government, and that is our constitution. So, tied in with doing away with voter apathy and voting? Well, election integrity is very important to me. After all we witnessed in the 2020 elections, which has likely been going on for decades now, We, as a nation and a state, must find a way to make our elections more secure and trustworthy to the electorate. The states must also push back against the federal government's attempts to take over elections. And there are many ways to accomplish that. Mandatory voter identification is one way. Also, an auditable, accountable paper ballot system is another way. All electronic voting systems are vulnerable to manipulation, which the Democrat Party completely endorsed until the 2020 election 
and now they claim that is a big lie. In our nation's misguided and unconstitutional use of armed forces and nation-building around the globe, paper ballots and identification were used in the elections of the governments we set up. It's worked in our nation's past, and it's now working overseas in this century. It can work once again in our nation. Another focus area of mine is our state's and our nation's education system. Not only is it broken, it is actively working against taxpayers and parents all over the country. Control of public, government schools needs to be restored to its rightful place. With the parents in the community, these schools operate. It is our money that funds education at the local, state, and federal level. So those people with actual skin in the game, the parents and the taxpayers in the community, they should have control over what their children and all the children in the community are exposed to in schools. People do not have children so that they can co-parent with the government. Allowing government to control the curriculum and funding has resulted in the terrible system we have right now where our children are taught to hate and mistrust each other, as well as to hate our republic's founding and not expose them to deep enough understanding of our founding documents. Or, and much worse, not educating them at all about our Constitution and the rights it protects by establishing a limited government. So I believe a measurable metric of knowledge in our state and federal constitutions should be required to graduate high school and in registering to vote. As a nation, we require that of people that seek citizenship in their naturalization process. How come we don't require that of our own children? Now, homeschooling is the model every citizen should look to right now. It is not a new or recent experiment in education and human history. Government schools are much more recent. Homeschooling was the method of educating our children for centuries. With homeschooling, Parents decide which curriculum to use, which curriculum to expose their children to, which is how it should be with government schools that are funded with our sweat equity. In summary, though, our government education system is broken. It is a failed experiment. It needs to be fixed or our republic is doomed. Another pillar of my platform is states' rights. For far too long, states have allowed the federal government to usurp the rights of the states, as well as the rights of the citizens. States have abdicated their roles in standing in the gap between federal government and we the people. It is time to reassert the state's role as the parent of the federal government. And guess what the best weapon in that fight is as well? Yep, the Constitution. Not the past and very flawed decisions by the judiciary, but the actual Constitution itself. The method the federal government employs in distributing or using our sweat equity violates the true meaning and intent of the Constitution. And very probably it violates the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment as well in treating citizens differently with the allocation of funding which comes from our sweat equity solely based upon the state or even the part of the state they live in. Another huge area of concern is our constitutionally protected right to keep and bear arms. States, and to an exponentially larger degree, the federal government, have absolutely zero understanding of the words shall not be infringed. This is on purpose, too. 
The Second Amendment's purpose is definitely not to protect our right to hunt or even for self-defense. It was meant to ensure that we the people could, in the words of our nation's Declaration of Independence, quote, but when a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same objective evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty, and I'm talking their being the people, to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. That is why government at every level infringes upon the people's right to keep and bear arms. They understand that an armed electorate is a respected electorate. An unarmed electorate is no longer an electorate, but subjects of despotism. I will work to ensure that the great state of Tennessee truly recognizes and implements constitutional carry. Unlike that weak and duplicitous so-called constitutional carry that was passed in the last session of the General Assembly. So that's the big three on my platform. Voter apathy and election integrity. States' rights as well as our constitutionally protected, self-evident, unalienable, God-given right to keep and bear arms. Now, by no means is that a complete list, but those three items are fundamental to the restoration of our founding principles. Another area of significant concern is our nation transforming itself into the worship of the false god Baal. Our nation has sacrificed more than, and this is just by conservative estimates, more than 62 million babies since 1973, when nine crazy people wearing black robes somehow read our Constitution and found a constitutional right to murder the most innocent among us. We must end this government-sanctioned murder of children and somehow, some way, restore the sanctity of life in our national conscience. Also, being a veteran myself, I believe we as a state and a nation should focus on veterans' health care issues. Listen, people, you have all heard what a mess some sectors of our veterans' health care system is. Those problems are coming to you at light speed by allowing a bureaucratically heavy government take over our private health care system. So not only do we need to fix the veterans' health care system, but we cannot allow that broken system to become the national system for every American. With all that being said, I would like to move on to a lighter issue before we close down the year here on Liberty, Leadership, and Lies with Larry Linton. In honor of celebrating Christmas this weekend, I would like to read to you one of President Ronald Reagan's Christmas proclamations. It is as follows. The nativity story of nearly 20 centuries ago is known by all face as a hymn to the brotherhood of man. For Christians, it is the fulfillment of age-old prophecies and the reaffirmation of God's great love for all of us. Through a generous Heavenly Father's gift of His Son, hope and compassion entered a world weary with fear and despair and changed it for all time. On Christmas, we celebrate the birth of Christ with prayer, feasting, and great merriment. But most of all, we experience it in our hearts. For more than just a day, Christmas is a state of mind. It is present when men of any creed bring love and understanding to the hearts of their fellow man. The feeling is seen in the wondrous faces of children and in the hopeful eyes of the aged. It overflows the hearts of cheerful givers and the souls of the caring. And it is reflected in the brilliant colors, joyful sounds, and beauty of the winter season. 
Let us resolve to honor this spirit of Christmas and strive to keep it throughout the year. Nancy and I ask you to join us in a prayer that prudence, wisdom, and understanding might descend on the people of all nations, so that during the year ahead we may realize an ancient and wondrous dream. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Merry Christmas. Beautiful, wasn't it? President Reagan also stated this during a Christmas season about our country. And it goes like this. Like the national Christmas tree, our country is a living, growing thing planted in rich American soil. Only our devoted care can bring it to full flower. So let this holiday season be for us a time of rededication. I too would also like this holiday season to be one for a time of rededication. We need to be rededicated to the founding principles of this, the greatest nation on earth, as well as the greatest experiment in self-governance in human history. Let us all rededicate ourselves to making sure that, and from this point forward, to let our government know that it works for us, that we do not work for them. And always before I close the show, I always leave you with a word from God's Word. This week it comes to us from Proverbs 21.5. The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. We must all be diligent in our dealings with our government. We need to rededicate ourselves to it. It is plainly obvious that modern politicians' haste in their spending plans will surely put us all, we the people, into poverty. In addition to reading our federal constitution and our state's constitution, I would encourage you all to read from the book of Proverbs and God's Word. There is strength and wisdom to be found in God's Word. You can see that our founding fathers gained strength and wisdom from it in creating this great republic. I often find many lessons there that I can relate to present situations in my leadership coaching. Because as President Theodore Roosevelt once said, a thorough knowledge of the Bible is worth more than a college education. Something we can learn from our study of the Bible and of our nation's history and the founding documents is this. There are plenty of lessons learned in those documents and in the Bible. They are written down for a reason. Because if you do not document and study lessons learned, you will have to learn those lessons over and over again until you do document and learn from them. So we already have documented lessons learned. Let's study them and learn from them. Again, thank you to all those loyal listeners. Please share this podcast with your friends and family. I will now close with this. I pray you all have a wonderful Christmas, celebrating the greatest gifts that came in the form of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Those are the gifts of grace, mercy, salvation, redemption, and a peace that transcends all understanding. All of this from a God that created you and loves you more than you will ever understand. I pray that the Lord will bless and keep you throughout this season and into the new year. From my family to all yours, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Until next year, stand in the arena with me, Reveille, it's time to wake up.